From the hidden secrets of our backyards to the realities of the third world, we take a raw and real look into the challenges and the pursuits of social justice. Welcome to The Point. The Point Podcast is brought to you by ThePoint.life, offering healthcare, entrepreneurship, and education both domestically and internationally. Visit ThePoint.life to find out how you can get involved. Imagine losing everything you own in one day, like literally losing everything, your house, your business, your car, all of it gone. That's what's happening to hundreds of thousands of people in Ukraine. On February 24, 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine. Since then, over 6,000 civilians have died, of which almost 400 were children on the Ukrainian side. And in Russia, over 60,000 casualties died, including 15,000 troops killed in action. Sometimes when we hear stats like this or stories about war, it can feel distant, not just geographically, but emotionally as well. But that's why when we hear people's stories and get to know their names, it becomes a reality of what people are experiencing in this world today. Nada and her son Yeager were spared their lives by escaping Ukraine just as Russians were taking over their city. They lost their car, their home, their business, and have been separated since from their family. Today, Nada joins us from Raleigh and helps us to understand the realities that are happening in Ukraine today. She shares with us her powerful testimony, as well as those of her friends and family. Our sympathies go out to those who are still in Ukraine experiencing these hardships. We are honored by Nada and her son Jaeger, who are willing to share their stories with us. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nada. I know the war in Ukraine is on the minds of people all across the world, including us in the United States. There's a lot we don't understand about it. Are you able to kind of briefly walk us through some of the history between Ukraine and Russia? Yeah, I think we can do that. I was born in um, 1984, so I saw some of the Soviet Union. And this was the country I didn't enjoy much and I would hate to live in because all I remember from my childhood when it was the Soviet Union is that you have to be standing in a line for whatever you want to buy. You have to spend half of your life standing in a line waiting for that. And you cannot be traveling. Like you can just buy a ticket and fly somewhere or get a visa and fly somewhere. There was no chance to explore, which I value a lot you didn't have any freedom like a freedom of speech freedom of action so you were really limited in everything you have and Mm -hmm. you were under great control so it's kind of similar to what russia has right now with the lots of propaganda Mm -hmm. and well i wouldn't like to live in the country like that definitely So I am so happy that in 1991, uh, Ukraine became an independent country and Soviet Union fell. Well, hopefully the same would happen to Russia and it will not cause so many problems, no longer will. And about the history, 
Nowadays, when Ukrainian kids go to school and when they have their history lesson, they don't have to open the book. They can watch through the window. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, your son, Yegor, he's 13 now. 14. 14. Yeah. <laughs> he turned 14 two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so do you see parallels or similarities then in your experience of childhood as well as some of the things that he has had to experience in the last few months as well? Uh, Well, I was 15 when I got to United States as an exchange student, and he's now 14, opening a new country with a huge possibilities. So yeah, I do see some parallels. I do. Mm Mm-hmm. So walk us a bit through your personal story. I know that, as you just mentioned, you came to the United States for a brief period of time as an exchange student, but I would love to just hear any of your personal history from as early age as you'd like to start. Sure. Uh, Well, I have a wonderful family. I love the way they raised me, and I'm trying to be the same type of parent to my child. I miss them a lot because my parents and my grandma are now in uh, Bulgaria because their house is destroyed and they cannot go back to Mariupol. They're staying for some time there. So when I was 15, I was an exchange student in Mississippi. I spent a wonderful year. I would say that was a year that changed my life, definitely, because Ukraine, right after the Falling of Soviet Union was wonderful country, but with a difficult life, I would say. And most of people were still pretty much influenced by the Soviet Union. And this is what I believe this age, 15 to 16 years, is when your personality is being built and where you have all your bases. So I was influenced by the country where everything is possible. I'm in the United States. So if anybody would ask me, like, if I had one advice for teenagers, I would say, go travel, explore as much as you can, because this is something that has a huge impact on your life when you're adult. Yeah, absolutely agree. So You came to the United States for about a year in Mississippi, and then you went back to Ukraine. And what was next for you? Uh, Yes, I came back to Ukraine being even more patriotic than I used to be. Because, you know, when you're homesick, you start to appreciate. When you're losing, you appreciate it even more. Yeah. So I believe this is where my patriotism was born Mm -hmm. when I was 16 years old. So I came back, and when we were trying to decide which university I need to go after school, my parents came up with two options. I can go to Mariupol's college, and they will help me pay in for that, or they can help me rent in a room in apartment mm-hmm. if I get the full scholarship in university in Kiev. Okay. And I wanted to go to Kiev so much because it's a big city with lots of opportunities. And, you know, being a teenager in the capital of your country is so cool. 
So I've done my best to get my full scholarship and I got that. So yeah, I got my diploma from the best university in Ukraine. I have many friends from this academy. And what I like about my parents is that they didn't decide for me. Mm -hmm. They gave me options and it was my decision, Mm -hmm. which I like. How did you decide what to major in? Well, it was not a smart decision. It just, it was by accident, but now I like it a lot because sociology, I've never worked as one, like as a researcher in sociology, but this science sociology gives you understanding of how it works. I mean, how the world goes and works. So I love this knowledge that I've got in university. Yeah. And so then did you jump right into starting your own business and doing like tutoring and additional education? Or were you working somewhere prior to that? I was working as an employee. I was a PR specialist for several years which also is a great experience and it was useful afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then the Sorbonne School happened in my life. The Sorbonne is this memory training program. First, I signed my son for that and I was so impressed with the results Mm -hmm. so that I bought a franchise and opened two centers like that in Mariupol. And that was the job of my life. I mean, this hashtag in Instagram, I love my job, was my (laughs) most used. I'm not kidding. No, really. When I just use hashtag in Instagram, that is the first one they would suggest because they know this is something I use a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And now I miss it so much. I mean, my job, because I've never believed that you could love your job so much Mm -hmm. when you have so many parents appreciating the impact on kids and you have so many kids saying that they love their teachers and they love your school so much. And like the whole process is two years. Mm -hmm. And on every graduation, like I wouldn't call, is it a prom graduation celebration? Some parents would come to me saying, we do have this auto pay and we wouldn't cancel it. So you have to sell us something else. Come with any activities for our kids because Every like Tuesday and Wednesday or Thursday, they are coming to your school and we don't want to change that. So we're keeping that out of payment and you have to come with something new. Yes. Yes. And so my job is one of the things that war took away from me and I miss it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. We saw some of the photos that the building, you know, received a lot of damage. So Give us a bit of a timeline. So you went to college, you came back, you work in PR, then you started working in education. You opened two franchises, which is incredible. And then what does life look like when the war started? Was there talk about it amongst the public? Was there like warning or did it feel very sudden? Well, everybody was talking about the possibility of war. Mm -hmm. And I was not prepared at all because 
to be honest with you, I did not believe this is something that can happen to us. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like fantasy. I don't know. But to me, it still sounds crazy because in the 21st century, that is something that just cannot be happening to us. Right. In the middle of Europe in the 21st century, a successful entrepreneur, a lady with two academic degrees and cryptocurrency on her account has to kill a pigeon because this is the only way to feed her child. It is still crazy idea to me. But well, now I know that is going on. I've experienced it, but I still don't believe that it is happening to us. And in Mariupol, the situation didn't change much. Mm-hmm. Uh, like right now, I have still some friends who stayed there who couldn't escape. And one of my friends is telling that the process of uh, making soup can take up to six hours because you have to start with the uh, chopping wood and getting water from well. And again, you have your designer's shoes and purses and all of that and it just doesn't help your life is not the same anymore wow so i know well it's time to believe but it's still hard for me to believe that it is really something that going on with us that's happening to us Mm -hmm. to your understanding like when i'm talking about mariupol i have to tell you that mariupol used to be a really gorgeous city with the Uh, Do you know the public bus stops with the benches and um, roofs? Mm -hmm. We had wireless phone chargers on those. And now you have to... I've never seen that, actually. That's so cool. Yeah, it's just a part of this bench that you're sitting on while you're waiting for the bus. And you can just place your phone on that bench. Love it, yes. And it would be charging. And then, like... In one day, you have to go chop wood to make a soup in the same place within like one month of a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is hard to believe. So, yes, we were told. And yes, I was reading lots of uh, news coming from United States saying that the war is possible and it may be like in February. But I don't know. It was so hard to believe. And it still is. Yeah, very surreal. And that is what's interesting to think about as we think about the world globally as like maybe, you know, some of the countries that have a lack of infrastructure, we think about it as like, okay, they're still cooking with charcoal, maybe not running water, etc. But it's interesting as you've explained it, like, but that's not who we were. That's not what Ukraine is. And that within a matter of days, in hours, in some cities, things just change drastically for people. Like, wow, that's that's really crazy. So what was it like as a mother, as a daughter, as a friend? Like, how do those conversations happen? Like, are you talking to your friends and saying, like, if this happens, what are we going to do? Like, what does that look like? Well, I'm kind of ashamed to share it right now, but we were making fun of it. Because it seems so, so unreal. Yeah. Well, and given the history of Russia and Ukraine, these conversations, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it that these conversations kind of come up sometimes and then kind of go down and kind of come up through the years as things progress? So you're just saying, thinking, okay, this is just another one of those things. Yes. 
that the yes, media I believe so. up. Yeah, okay. we were kind of used to this problem. So okay. we were that makes sense. kind of, you know, when you have the immune to those news, because they are coming so once in a while you hear that. And if you would be under stress for the last eight years thinking about war, that would still be yeah. no good. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, yeah, I know that's very interesting to think about. When the war started, give us a bit of a timeline about that. So the war started, was it February, you said? Yes, yes. It was February the 24th. Okay. I woke up at 4.30 a.m. because I heard fighter jets. Wow. Yes. And the bombing, and it was like two miles away, three miles away maybe from my home. So you could hear it. It was so loud. So I woke up, and thanks God my son was not home. He was closer to Polish border because of his volleyball championship. I had no plan, but I was sure the first thing I want to do and I need to do is go get my child, and then we'll decide. So I grabbed a couple of extra T-shirts because I thought it would be like for a couple of days. I now do understand that it was so stupid of me to think that way and I don't know why but all of us we were all thinking that way so I went to the west of Ukraine and it's about 400 miles away wow yeah but it took me more than 20 hours of a ride so I was driving and driving and driving and so many people were trying to go west yeah trying to escape we didn't have any gas on the gas station. It was hard to... Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was quite a challenge. So when we went to this western part of Ukraine, we decided to stay for some time there because the next day in my apartment complex, it was occupied by Russian soldiers and my neighbors who didn't leave. Like, I don't know if I wouldn't have to go get my son Probably I would stay too. I don't know what I would do. But those people who didn't leave, who stayed, they had to stay in the basement because Russian soldiers took their bedrooms and kitchens, took their places. In one day? Yes. Wow. The next day, yeah, the next day it happened. So we spent several weeks over there, closer to Polish border. We took one house me and my son and four more families of friends of mine. Those are just the best friends ever for us. And I do miss cooking two gallons of soup for a dozen of children. (laughs) But we've tried our best to not let war affect our kids well as much as we could, Uh, like we would have some nice candles and blankets in the basement because we had to go downstairs to hide all the time. We hear sirens, we had to hide with children. And for them, it was like a kind of a game. I know many people who would spend time when the sirens went off in Kiev, they went to Subway uh, because it's said to be safe. And many families took their tools to paint so the kids could paint some nice pictures and that kept them happy. I don't know, kept them away from the war. 
but it was so hard to keep the same positive attitude like in Mariupol. It was absolutely impossible because my best friend from Mariupol shared with me the story when her 10-year-old daughter was getting too scared because of bombing. She would calm her down saying that if the bomb hits our house, we will die quickly. It would not hurt long. So, like, no worries. Can you imagine saying that to your 10-year-old child? But there is nothing else you can say because you cannot leave this town and it was surrounded. And there's absolutely nothing you can do. Like, my parents and my grandma, after the first bomb a missile got into their house, it didn't detonate. So I am so happy that Russia puts more money into propaganda than into weapon, because this is why my parents are still alive. Wow. So they left home and they got my grandma and three of them went to the biggest bomb shelter in Mariupol with uh, 4,000 other people in one place. Wow. With uh, no electricity, no heating, no running water, no connection. My grandma had to sleep on a small, tiny stool, and she's 90. One night, she fell out of it, and she was all bruised, like half of her face was blue, and it just hurt so much, and... Now she's having her memory problems because of that stress, I believe. So, yeah. Wow. That is unimaginable. In my mind, I visualize it like Armageddon, like the things we see in movies where, you know, there's just fires on the streets and rubble. There's no light anywhere besides like the fire. You know, food is scarce. As you mentioned, gas is scarce. The lack of being able to communicate is probably one of the most scary things because you don't know who's safe and who's not safe. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. And so what was your process from getting to where you were staying with your friends and your son? What was the process like for you and how long did it take before you got to the United States? I have a good friend of mine, uh, Maria, from the universities in Kiev. She lives in the United States for probably more than 15 years now. So she called me with the idea to get me out and have me in U.S. And at the time, U.S. had this program, United for Ukraine, which is a great program. And Maria and her friends helped me to make this decision to analyze what are the opportunities and what are the challenges. And they signed as a sponsors sponsors for me for this program. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thank them a lot. And I appreciate that because at that time, it was hard for me to analyze and make this right decision. So they did help me with that. Mm-hmm. And then Maria's fiance is a good friend of Charlotte Whitmore. This is how I ended up being in Raleigh. I love the area, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I am so blessed with having all those people 
from Charlotte's friends and her family helping me with getting all set up for my new place. And well, the fact that Charlotte offered a housing for a long time for me and my son is just amazing. I still do have many people who would not believe that somebody would do so much to a stranger, to a person you never know. And it's just a friend of a friend of a friend. And you don't do so much to a stranger. So I am so, so happy to be here and to experience so much of support from people. And it's not only about like material stuff, because I do have literally tons of help. You should have seen those boxes coming mm -hmm. and coming and coming to help. But it's about people really caring I mean, people from neighborhood, people from church, everybody would come and ask, like, do you need anything? Is there anything we can do? Mm -hmm. And this support is absolutely priceless because this is something I miss the most from Ukraine, my people. Mm -hmm. And I think people can feel it that this is something I miss and they try to fulfill me with this mm -hmm. and this is such a blessing i'm happy to be here well we're happy you're here we wish it was under better circumstances i'll be sure to include the links in the show notes and on the website as well for how you can support natalia and her family we talked about a lot and it's still going on which is an interesting conversation you know that the war is still happening right now and so what's something you want to make sure that people understand today either about yourself and your story or about the situation in Ukraine? I came to United States with the three goals and those are to be independent again as soon as possible. The second one is to give my son a good start and the third one to be useful for my country. So I can say I'm pretty much done with the second one. Uh, my son has so many new friends and he loves his new school. And like the other day, I've asked him, can you make a top five list of your teachers? And he was thinking for so long. And then he's like, uh, well, robotics and math and science would definitely go. And I have six teachers and who would be the one who would not be included? <laughs> And then he said, probably that would be a teacher of literature, but it's so not fair because I would quote him. He said, it is not his fault that he's teaching the subject I don't like, but his personality <laughs> is so great. He has to be on the list. <laughs> so I am so happy he enjoys it a lot. Yeah. And I'm doing as much as I can. I'm working really hard to reestablish my business here. I'm working both with the kids and elderly with this memory training program. Mm -hmm. I am trying to get a grant to do the research on the impact of my memory training program. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm looking for a MD researcher in the area. It has to be a local one to help me with this research. Okay. And also, if you have anybody from the industry of senior living places, okay. that would be also a great connection to me. 
And the last but not the least is uh, to be useful for my country. I was a volunteer back in Ukraine in the military hospital. And I do have many friends from that time who are now defending my country. Mm -hmm. And so I know all the needs they have. I'm trying to fundraise to get some winter gear right now. So I made this auction. It's called Auction to Help Ukraine, as simply as four words, Auction to Help Ukraine. It's on Facebook. It is full of unique lots from Ukraine. It is absolutely authentic. Those are pieces of history that cannot be just bought anywhere. Those are the things that your kids would show to their kids. So I would invite everybody to join this auction to help Ukraine on Facebook and find something for you. I just read an article today in uh, one of the U.S. newspaper. It said that 73% of U.S. population supports Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I'm the one to be the witness because I do have that support and I feel it every day and I see it. And I am so, so grateful to everybody who is trying to help us from child at school to a grandma at the concert that I visited recently. Everybody is trying to support. And I am so proud of my country because we are doing a great job. We are fighting an enemy who is three or four times larger than we are, and we are doing a great job, but we do need some help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we do appreciate all the help that we're receiving. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. So to recap, there's Facebook. I will include that link, the auction to help Ukraine, where you're selling historic items in efforts to get winter clothing uniforms for the Ukrainian Mm -hmm. soldiers. Amazing. That's something everybody should be able to support. And then to continue the work that you're doing, looking for an MD that's involved in research that is anywhere in North Carolina? Uh, Well, it can be in RTP, but anywhere in uh, North Carolina would be also fine. Okay. Wonderful. I'll include that. Yeah. RTP is preferably. Wonderful. Well, I think it's important Because in the United States, we're so like, all we see is America. Like, it's hard for us to like, even understand other countries. And so sometimes I think when we hear about other countries that are at war, like in our minds, we imagine, you know, countries that are less educated or this or that, whether that's right or wrong, that's just how we imagine it. And so it's incredibly interesting and important and educational about how advanced Ukraine is, you know, and how like I think you said it so well about just, you know, people are having designer handbags and all living a, you know, a very comfortable life. And then the next day it's like the 1800s again or, you know, the 1700s. Like it feels like it's gone back in time of the daily activities that people are having to do. So that I think helps us to have like a even more empathy as a first world nation, you know, to be like, oh, that would be like us if this happened to us. Like, this is insane. And so what that does, though, is like, is it helps to build, I think, empathy and continued support for what's happening in Ukraine. And like, it's wild to think about 
like I said, that it's still happening. Like as we're having this conversation, people are still having this experience. Like that's heartbreaking. It is. It is. To me, one of the heartbreaking stories was the last one. Lots of elderly people from Mariupol were left by their kids, grown-up kids. And you just you just cannot survive when you're in your 80s being left in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have one volunteer who is traveling, just giving a transportation to people from Mariupol to Ukraine. And he found this senior living place in the closest city. And it is now like twice more people that it can hold mm-hmm. because of people coming from Mariupol. And they try to fundraise for themselves to feed them because wow. the budget is like twice less right. of the amount of the consumers. So they collect grape, they make grape juice and they try to make wine to sell and to feed themselves can you imagine having to be doing that when you're 80 well in my mind it's just time to kind of relax when you're 80 and not thinking like what would you be eating yeah especially because of the history that they've already had to live through you know with russia like they've already had a hard life Yes. Well, my grandma is the one who's had a really hard life because she was a kid, but she remembers Second World War, Mm -hmm. World War II. She now experienced this war and she can literally compare Nazi to Russians. Well, she's saying that Nazis would not bomb that much the living areas the way Russians do. And in between, she had the Soviet Union, and then she had the Chernobyl. So she's experienced so lots of it. Wow. Wow. She's my personal hero. I love her. Absolutely. Well, she sounds incredible. Sounds like you have a strong line of women ahead of you. So that's a good (laughs) thing. (laughs) I can see that in your determination. Thank you again for your time and for sharing the story. And it is not lost on myself or others who are listening, the difficulties that you've had to go through and being brave and courageous and strong and sharing those things with the world. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your support. Thank you so much to Nada for joining us today. I will have the links for you to support her and her family, as well as the Ukrainian soldiers through her fundraising efforts at lapoint.life. You can also reach out to me directly to get in contact at Callie at lapointfoundation.org. We know your time is precious, and so we are honored that you shared it with us today. Until next time, keep on fighting for justice.